I was 16 years old. I was um, living on the streets. And that, my friends, is how we begin this interview podcast today. We're taking a short break from our passages from E.M. Bounds' book on prayer because I believe Miss Hannah Butler is someone you should meet. Don't go anywhere. Keep listening. Hey, folks, you are listening to the Mike McCurry podcast, and this is the revival of the Mike McCurry live interviews. And so I am here live with, it's not being broadcast live, but Hannah Butler. And very excited to talk to Miss Butler about uh, her life experiences, but also how the Lord has used them for his honor and glory. She is a pastor's wife of a church planter, um, has some very interesting insights into uh, addiction and things of that nature that I think could be a help to a lot of folks. Um, recently at a church, Miss Hannah, and uh, saw in, in RU Reformers Anonymous um, displaying different things and looking at the different pamphlets that they had there, saw that there are so many different addictions that we don't even think of. We think of drugs and think of all these different things, but there are so many things that um, apply to Christian's life as well. And so jumping in, if we can, Miss Hannah, if you wouldn't mind giving us a two, three, five minute introduction to who you are and um, how you came to be where you are. Sure. So um, are you looking for my testimony or just sure, absolutely. where I'm at? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, when I was 16 years old, I was um, living on the streets due to my mother's addiction and some other family issues and um, that is what really got me into my own addiction. Um, and I remember one day I just thought, I'm so tired of living this way. There, there has to be more to life than this. I mean, I was so used to seeing that um, in my family and that that's how they handled their problems. That's how they lived on my mom's side. And um, it just was miserable. It's just a constant, I guess you would call it a hustle um, to get out there and try to find the funds for your addiction and, and things like that. And so it very quickly goes from the average teenager party to, oh no, I'm stuck. Like I have to do this when I wake up until I go to bed. And I think a lot of teenagers don't realize that that's what they're getting themselves into when they think they're just casually partying and things. But um, needless to say, I remember vividly thinking, I'm just so tired of living this way. And um, being a teenager, I had went a few days without eating. And I thought, I am really hungry. <laughs> and I had recently ran into my grandparents somewhere, which I hadn't talked to in many years, and they gave me their phone number. So when I was hungry, I remembered them, and I gave them a call, and um, they immediately picked me up, and I was just thinking to get something to eat. That's all that I cared about. <laughs> um, they allowed me to stay with them for a few days, and upon staying with them, they consistently went to a good independent Baptist church down the road. And they always invited me, but they never forced me. Um, but after watching them go so many times, I thought the least I could do is just go to church with them. They don't ask me to do anything. And um, I went with them. I heard the plan of salvation that Jesus had died um, for my sins and 
that he rose again and that um, eternity was through him. And I had heard about the Lord growing up through different avenues, but it never really made its way to my heart. I mean, I was still very much searching. And I, like I said, I said, I, I didn't know if there was, if there were, I didn't mention this, so I apologize. But back when I was thinking that um, there's got to be more to life than this, I did cry out. And I said, um, if there's a God, would you just show me? So I was searching. So after going to church with them so many times, there was one specific day that I went back to their house and I sat on the bed where I was staying and I just said, Lord, or Jesus, I didn't call him Lord then. <laughs> uh, I call him Lord now, but then I didn't call him Lord because he wasn't my Lord. But I said, Jesus, I know that you died for me and I know that I'm a sinner and I'm, I'm asking you to come into my heart and save me. And I had no idea that my life was going to change. I didn't even know what I did. Um, nobody pressured me to do that. But little by little, after I prayed that, I remember looking in the mirror and being convicted by the piercings in my face. And, and I didn't know why, but something in my heart just said, this isn't, this isn't you anymore, you know? And um, slowly after that, the Lord just really, he really guided me. Um, baptism. I had this sudden desire to be baptized and I had no idea why, <laughs> because like I said, I didn't realize I got saved. So um, I just went to the youth pastor at that church and I said, I'm supposed to be baptized. I don't know why. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so the Lord just really worked on me from there. But as far as the addiction goes, um, I thought I could get away with doing it less because I didn't realize <laughs> Um, it wasn't something he want, wanted me to continue, obviously. But the next time that I did something, I felt for the first time true conviction um, to the point where I, I remember sitting there for hours sobbing because I just knew in my heart, this isn't you anymore and this isn't how I want you to live. And I promised God that night that I would never do it again and I haven't. But through the struggles I faced early on with addiction, with withdrawals and things like that. Um, I, I cried a lot and I prayed a lot and God <laughs> got me through it. So I just praise Absolutely. him for that. Well, if we can, because I do believe this would be helpful. And I know not every single person out there is going to identify with each point of this story because uh, the audience could be kids that grew up in a Christian home and have never even really been exposed to that. But I, I do believe that there are parallels that will apply, but then also for those that uh, came from a background where they did not get saved until later in life. I think there are a lot of things that, some points that could uh, make sense here. Could we go back to early life, even before salvation and before all of that, call it the descent? Um, and I'd, I'd like, if you would, to kind of juxtapose the environmental pressures that you were put in versus the per personal choices that you did end up making. Obviously, I, I sounds like a lot of things were kind of thrust upon you to some degree, but looking back, knowing what choices you could have made that could have changed things prior to salvation, kind of going back and kind of just starting at the beginning, how would you work your way forward that way? 
Absolutely. Um, that's a great thing to talk about because that is truly where my heart and burden lies is the kids who are in those situations, how they can um, turn away from it and not Absolutely. become it. So um, I believe for me personally, I remember a lot of my thinking I always had in the back of my mind, I justified my wrongdoing by saying, well, my, my mom does it, so mm. it doesn't matter. And I justified, and I'm talking bad thing. I mean, it's all bad, but I mean, like, it's just not normal. Sure. <laughs> it's not just your casual drinking that people like to call it. It all is bad, but I'm just saying, um, I always had that in the back of my mind. That was my biggest excuse was they do it and they don't care about me. They don't care if I do it. So if that's how they handle their problems, then that's how I'll handle mine. And um, that was the biggest fault that I had was giving myself an excuse because yes, they, they were wrong. And by they, I mean my mom and my, my older brother um, for their choices and openly using and things, but um sin is sin and we all have a choice to either do it or not or not do it and even um i know it's not as likely in some scenarios for a teenager or someone who's growing up in a christian home to be involved in those things but it does happen and um especially with the rise of prescription medication and and things like that um i've always been big about you make your decision ahead of time how great decisions will... are made before great decisions have to be made yes yes perfect that is exactly what what i believe and have always said um to people is that if you decide ahead of time i'm never going i'm never going to go to a party <laughs> Mm -hmm. then you're not going to be tempted with the things that happen at a party. Right. Um, or if you say, I'm never going to drink alcohol. Well, then when someone offers it to you, it's much easier to say no, because you know in your heart that you made that decision. But um, yeah, I believe that was a lot of my reasons for doing those Absolutely. Things. And so would you say, and not, not to get too in the weeds here, um, but your grandparents and the obvious care they had to drop whatever they were doing and, and come get you. Um, how much have you seen just that little bit of care, compassion, whatever you call it, um, being able to be the difference uh, in, in my experience, you know, whether they be uh, bus kids from the wrong side of town or things of that nature, it seems like the only thing, the only thread that they have of hope is the fact that they have a bus worker or someone that does care just a little bit. And you, and you pointed out that one of your excuses was they don't care what I do, meaning mom, brother, who, whoever, they don't care. So I'm going to just go ahead. So can you speak to the opportunity that we have and that you now have to demonstrate some care uh, to those that are struggling with those type of things that are in that very, on the precipice of making some bad decisions? Yeah, I, um, I believe that caring and loving people is very crucial, um, especially when they are 
making decisions like that? Do you mean people who are already making those choices or? I guess kind of coming at it from the, uh, the perspective of uh, young people that are, are struggling. I, I guess if I had to sum it up, how can you make the biggest impact on a child, on a young person, on really anybody, I guess, that mm-hmm. is in the depths of those things? Um, the obvious answer that comes to mind is caring, is compassion, is, is working. But what would you say are some practical things that I can do, you can do, a listener can do to help minister to somebody that is in the depths of despair with those types of things? Um, to be honest, to be a soul winner. Mm-hmm. Um, because Excellent. I can remember um, even before the drugs and things came into my life, I still had a very rough upbringing. And I had one friend at school, at the public school that I went to at that time, who she gave me a daily Bible verse. Um, She just, I didn't even tell her everything that was wrong in my home, but she knew (laughs) that Mm. it wasn't completely, it wasn't normal. And so she gave me, she printed out a Bible verse and gave it to me by my locker every single day. And, um, and she would give me gifts that had spiritual things on them and stuff. The only thing I wish she would have done is actually tell me how to be saved. Hmm. Because yes, God's word doesn't return void and it still stands out in my mind to this day. But I really, I really needed Jesus and I, I needed somebody to tell me com- just the, about him, like that he was what I was missing. And also... I recall when I was involved in that lifestyle, being at the park with some of my friends, there was a man who came up to us and he was witnessing to us. And I remember that. Um, So I think for that teenager or that child that's living that way, they have to be ready but it's not up to us to know when they're ready. We, we have to constantly love on them, share Christ with them and loving on them. I, what I mean by that is be willing to have them in your home to share a meal with them. Um, go above just knocking on their door on Saturday because they're living in quite a mess every other day of the week. And the people who stick around much more than what's expected is what will stand out in their Absolutely. minds. It's amazing. 168 something hours in a week and the investment of yes, the door knock on Saturday, but a Sunday afternoon meal, a teen activity where you actually, you know, give them a ride in your car, those two and three hours can mean all the difference and mm-hmm. um, the squalor and despair that they live in the rest of their and fear that they live in the rest of their life can be undone by the power of a Christian worker. And I appreciate that you bring that to light that uh, we see so many times in scripture that Jesus and others doing a social good, feeding 5,000, healing sick people, but the intent and aim was always the salvation of a soul. It was not uh, an I'm not going to steal thunder from a a message I may preach in the future, but uh, Mm -hmm. 1 Kings 17, Elijah, uh, by God's power, feeds the widow of Zarephath with unlimited meal and a a cruise of oil that doesn't fail until the famine ends. 
But until her son was raised from the dead a few months later, she said in verse number 24, now by this, I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of God in thy mouth is true. So until Christ, God demonstrated power over life and death, it didn't mean anything. So you can feed people all you want, but like you said, if they're not confronted with their need for a savior, then all they have is a full belly and it doesn't help them eternally. And so I, okay. I, I greatly appreciate you uh, bringing that to light. Uh, if we can pivot and we'll jump back and forth a little bit here, but talk a little bit about how God led you to, I think you have a, have a blog, have a website, have some different things that have hopefully been a help. And I'm sure been a help to uh, many folks. Um, how did God lead you to that? And what was it like um, kind of taking the first step into something that maybe, maybe not, that may, maybe a little bit of discomfort as you first dive into that world. Um, but talk about that journey a little bit. Sure. Um, the Lord put specifically blogging on my heart at least two years ago, I believe, but I didn't really quite understand why and I didn't listen. And that was um, wrong of me <laughs> to not, I, I just wrestled with the Lord, I guess. Um, but he put it on my heart because I just thought about it a lot and I saw a lot of blogs. I mean, most women like Pinterest <laughs> and <laughs> Pinterest is all um, connected to individual blogs. But what really, where the Lord really pressed my heart was when my mom passed away from an overdose. I just, I didn't even connect the two. So let me rewind and I apologize. You're fine. I decided to obey the Lord with this blog. And I prayed about every single detail, the name of it. And um, the name of it is Her Bottled Tears, which relates to um, the scripture where David's telling the Lord, thou tellest my wanderings. Um, thy tears, are they not written in thy book? And I said that wrong because uh, I don't have it in front of me, but um, it didn't I thought, oh, I'll be an encouragement to women just by sharing what the Lord has done in my life. And, but then he really pressed on my heart about the addiction part, which I was very hesitant about. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Um, and that's just pride, really. Um, it's one of the greatest things that the Lord has helped me overcome that is unique and, um, and I believe is really the main reason why he wanted me to start it in the first place. Um, so my mom cried many tears over her addiction. She was a saved woman um, and she really did love the Lord a lot, but she kept fall. She would get clean and then fall back into this vicious cycle of um, her heroin addiction. And so I just thought when I take that scripture and I apologize that I, I forget where it's at right now, but um, when you take that scripture that the Lord catches our tears and he not only um, collects them, catches them, he really cares about them um, just like we do and writes it down. And, and I just envisioned that as many people as that judged my mom and looked down on her for her addiction and the, the bad things that came of it. I just think, I just thought that 
the fact that we serve a savior who literally sat with her in those in those moments when she was at her weakest and crying and struggling over something so powerful was is mind-blowing to me even still that um, there's a host of people out there who who are truly struggling in that same way that we kind of shove under the rug because it's wicked and um, over our heads um, but he's sitting with them um, and cares about them and so getting into the blog when I started it I had no idea what I was doing I didn't know anything about um, designing a website or all of the headache that goes into it and it took me many many months but honestly I really just I knew that the Lord wanted me to do it and so I kept telling myself he wanted me to do this he's going to help me learn how to do it because I love to learn and I believe that if you don't know it and don't know someone who can teach you he will teach you and so um, he really did help me with the learning how to design and and do those things and I'm still learning but <laughs> um, that's really how I got into it so fantastic very good and uh, Psalm 56 8 I think is the Thank you. reference. There you go. <laughs> Pull it up here. And it's herbottledtears.com, H-E-R, bottled, B-O-T-T-L-E-D, T-E-A-R-S.com, herbottledtears.com. And I think uh, for those of you, um, now I don't think it's Pinterest, um, though maybe predominantly um, occupied by ladies, um, I won't talk about whether I have an account or not um, for fear of the, of the brethren. No, in all seriousness, I, I do, uh, I dabble with design thing and design things. And in my position as executive director of Bible Tracks Inc., we're constantly working on design things. And so I have probably, I would be hesitant to find out how many hours I've spent on Pinterest over the last uh, two weeks compared to you, Miss Butler, because um, I wouldn't want to know that I may have beaten you because whenever I'm trying to figure out a logo or something like that, I'm just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and trying to look wow. for that one piece of inspiration. So anyway, we're not, that that's the conversation for another time, but <laughs> Of course, you can find uh, Miss Hannah Butler on Instagram, and we're nowhere near the end of the discussion unless you need to go somewhere. But um, Instagram is uh, at uh, Hannah, Hannah L.U. Butler. Is that correct? Yes. At Hannah L.U. Butler. And Facebook, you can just search Hannah Butler. Uh, Pinterest as well, you can find her there. And uh, probably the best place to connect with her would be on her blog. And I think uh, herbottletears.com, and it'll give you an option to uh, subscribe to newsletters and different things as well. And how often, for those of you, for those that might want to sign up for an email or something, how often do you send out uh, an email to subscri subscribers? Every Monday. Very good. Awesome. So you can start your week off well with some encouragement there. Now, so we've talked about how the Lord led you to the point of salvation and praise God for godly grandparents and them being willing to care and not just provide a meal, but also a strong spiritual emphasis. We've talked about the genesis of the blog and how you've been able to reach out to others. But let's connect the dots between salvation and where you sit right now, the the uh, pastor's wife journey and the church planner's wife journey. And just for a little bit of the, um, not sympathy because it makes it sound like it's some arduous journey that needs to be, you know, regretted, but my dad was in the military. And so we were in, my family was in church plants the entirety growing up. I, eight, we moved eight times in 18 years and just about every single church was a church plant. And so 
church planning is very near and dear to my heart. And so appreciate Brother Corbin and the work that your husband and work he, he is doing there. But talk about how that came to be and maybe any trepidations that you had or different things of moving away from uh, family and, and away from home and all of that. How did that come to be? Well, the Lord um, just worked on my husband's heart. Uh, he was an assistant pastor and assistant pastor, youth pastor at the church we were serving at. And we were also um, dorm supervisors for the ladies dorm at Maslin Baptist College. And he was working there in various areas. But um, honestly, he just, he just listened to the Holy Spirit. And the Lord started directing his steps. And um, there was no reason for us to move. There was no reason we would want to leave where we were at. We were just serving the Lord um, faithfully right where we were and happy where we were. But the Lord connected my husband with a pastor that we know who moved to Florida. Um, and Pat started pastoring here in Florida. And um, he called my husband one day and said, there's a pastor in South Tampa who um, is looking for an assistant. And again, it's very strange because he was not searching to go anywhere or to make another assistant pastor move at all. So he felt like the Lord wanted him to give him a call anyways. Um, so during this time, though, before this phone call, my husband and I were both very burdened for church plants. We had been in them through um, traveling for the college when we first got married. And um, we literally were driving around Ohio, um, different areas and praying, Lord, do you want a church here? Do you want a church here? <laughs> and we were just praying over them because we both just felt very strong about church planning. Um, so he calls Pastor Nance at Southside Baptist Church, and he starts talking to him, and eventually they get to this point where Pastor Nance said, so Corbin, let me ask you, where do you see yourself in the so many years? And he said, well, I would really love to start a church someday. And he said, well, that's interesting. He said, let me tell you about something. Um, there was a church north of them in Tampa that had closed its doors 10 years ago. And instead of selling the property, they decided to give all of the rights to it to Southside Baptist Church. And Southside, Pastor Nance, <clears throat> were, they have been praying for all these years for a pastor to come to start this church. And so um, to, to make that short, that God used our family to do that. And Amen. so now we're here restarting that church. There's no people or congregation. So it's very, it was very sad because when we had first come here, I didn't realize how large um, of a church it was back in the mm. day. There, it's a 300 seat auditorium with a small auditorium next to it. And then behind it there's a 12 classroom Sunday school building wow. and then it has um, two parsonages that are four bedroom houses with a fellowship hall and five acres and it just all I mean literally I walked into the 
nursery and the toys are just covered in black dust because it just sat here. And that was kind of eerie and sad to me that there used to be God's people here full of life and serving him. And they just walked away. But I'm so, so thankful that um, the Lord put it in the hands of Southside because they could have, you know, sold it or, or whatever, but they kept it and, and God is definitely working here. So praise the Lord. And, and I think uh, when all of this, and hopefully at some point in the near future, someone will listen to this podcast and um, not even remember what I'm talking about with all this COVID nonsense, because all of that stuff. But um, I remember talking to, and, and I think Brother Corbin was one of them, but uh, talking to different church planners that were either about to start or recently started a church and with all this stuff going on and not meeting and, you know, what are we going to do and all of those things. And Brother Corbin was always um, very, you know, whatever the Lord has, we're, we're going to keep trucking on. And we're, not, you know, we're not leaving Florida anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. But it seems like it's you're almost in a position and getting updates from Brother Corbin that, um, and maybe I'll need to have him back on the podcast to kind of give an update. Cause I think the last time we talked, he was either very early in the process or not even started yet. But yeah. um, the, it almost, you know, for such a time as this, because there are so many churches in your area, though allowed to be open, are not even open. And so the opportunity for the Lord to build his church as he will um, with people that feel the need to, and rightly so, feel the need for a Bible preaching church. And regardless of what church they came from, have found your church as a place that they can meet on Sunday, whether it be in the parking lot or inside, they want to come to church. And so it's amazing to see all that to say, um, we can't always see the way, but it's awesome to see God build his church the way he wants to, even through a crisis such as this, he yes. can do what he wants to do. And so that's amazing. And, and the, it's faith building too, to know in the oh, future yeah. <laughs> that no matter what comes, we're, here we are a church planner, not even, get the, not even at the monthly support we're hoping to. And this is just a plug for the butlers. If you want to support <laughs> them, um, you can probably look them up on, I, you can get a hold of her through her bottled tears and her husband would be more than happy uh, if you were to take them on. But uh, in all seriousness, to know that the Lord will take care of you uh, through a myriad of different ways and um, to see the Lord work in, in all of that is, is phenomenal. Uh, going back to this topic and something that you, you said is near and dear to you in helping those with addiction and things of that nature, there are so many different avenues for um, addiction to take hold. Uh, whether it be, I, I read recently a short article about the addiction of our phones, as I'm looking at a phone right now doing this Zoom call, but yeah. uh, whether it be phones and, and jokingly, I saw a little pamphlet about the addiction of eating. And I don't want to talk about that one too much because it probably hits too near and dear to me. But in all seriousness, all of these different things that we don't even think of sometimes, and we look down on those that, that have the big addictions, whether it be to a hard schedule one drug or something like that. And knowing coming from the Akron, Ohio area as an associate pastor there myself, I think it's the, sadly, the heroin capital of the world, if I'm not mistaken. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so the listlessness and the despair and all those things that follow that, um, whether it be those type of drugs or any other, the prevalence, and I'll be careful here, but the prevalence of pornography in both genders and all of these things, um, destroying people's lives. What would you say to those that have come to themselves and saved or unsaved, but 
know that they're struggling with something, what would be the pathway that you'd put them on if you could take the steering wheel for a little while or talk them down from where they're at? What would you say to somebody that is struggling and knows they are and wants to fight it? What direction would you give them? Struggling with any addiction? Yes, ma'am. Like what you had just mentioned? Mm -hmm. I've thought about this um, often. And a lot of times I think we search for answers that are different than saying Jesus because Mm -hmm. we can't understand or wrap our mind around how that's it. Um, But I understand there are, there are steps and things that need to be taken, but if you don't know him, how can you overcome that temptation? You are either serving Christ or you're serving the devil. There's no in between. So if you are, if you don't know him, then you are serving the devil. And if you're serving the devil, um, he's always going to tempt you um, to stay. He's always going to say, this is what, this is what gives you pleasure. This is what feeds that desire. This is what numbs the pain. Um, And you really don't know how to get out of that because that was also um, some of my excuse was numbing pain from past experiences. I didn't have to deal with it because I didn't have to think about it if I was using things. Um, But the only way to truly overcome is to first be saved. Jesus um, is what he will give you the victory um, to be able to, if it's a hard drug, overcome those withdrawals. And there are some medical things that go with certain drugs and things like that. But he will also lead you to the people who will help you get to a rehab. He will, through his word, there's so much healing and hope and things that just speak directly to your heart. And for the people who would struggle with like eating addiction and um, lustful addictions and things like that, there's scripture for those too. And God knew every sin that we would struggle with. And he's, he's not, there's no sin on this earth that first of all, he didn't die for. And second of all, is too, too strong for him to help you overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no temptation that can take you, but is such as common to man. And he will make a way for us to escape it. But you have to know him first so that you can go to him to be able to escape it. Um, I had a friend once who got a little upset with me and said, well, I don't like that answer. I don't like that it's just Jesus. And um, I said, okay, <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry, but but it is just him. And many months later, she came back to me with tears in her eyes, and she said, it really is. It really is just him. You, you have to know him um, to think that, yes, there are people who um, are, f- who become, I'm trying to word it carefully, um, they can become clean from their addiction and never claim God and say he had nothing to do with it. I've not met people like that. Um, But most of the time, those past, the addiction that they mainly struggled with is then passed on into a new addiction 
the addiction is never really addressed. It's just mm -hmm. changed. So for example, a lot of people who are addicted to hard drugs, when they go to rehab, they have to monitor what they eat because it is proven that they will begin a sugar addiction because it's comforting. It's replacing um, that neat, that comfort that that hard drug gives. And so Christ is the only one who can help you to have that self-discipline to say, no, I'm going to get through this with scripture and I'm not going to replace my addiction because that is often what happens. Even if it's not a hard drug, the addiction is replaced. I know um, I've heard testimony of people being addicted to blogs and just being addicted to reading. I think anything that we, like you had mentioned, um, there's many addictions and anything that we idolize or consume so much becomes our addiction, beco it becomes our drug. So my overall answer, although it may sound simple, I believe is profound that it is the Lord. Um, you have to be saved first and then he will guide you to the next steps according to what you're struggling with. Like, um, dealing with the lustful sins and there's such a variety of of those but dealing with those seeking counseling from the man of god so that he can help you to be accountable and see all the different avenues that are out there um, with eating seeking counsel uh, i believe that biblical counseling is um biblical mm -hmm. <laughs> that god uh, uses other Christians to help those who are really struggling because another area, and then I'll be done, is I think we can say, well, read your Bible more and you'll just get over it. But sometimes we need a, a little more than that. Um, mm -hmm. Once we're saved and we have the Lord, yes, there are things, there are many things that we can overcome by reading his word and and praying and crying out to him. But I do believe that there are certain things that he will prick our hearts about to say, why don't you talk to them? Why don't you confess your fault to them so that they can give you a different perspective that so that they can pray with you through this, pray you out of this and keep you accountable. And um, a lot of times with addiction, I think the biggest, one of the biggest faults is that we expect them to just get over it. Just, mm -hmm. just quit doing it. You know, it shouldn't be that hard. I mean, you've lost your family, you've lost your home, you've lost your job, you've lost everything in life. Shouldn't that be enough to make you stop? But it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So right. God wants us to help each other. Absolutely. So. Very, very wisely said, Miss Butler. I greatly appreciate it. So we've talked the beginning years and, and through salvation and the immediate change that happened, though you didn't even understand everything that the Lord was doing, and uh, through uh, God leading you to the right one, uh, the right man, and now following God's will there in Tampa, Florida area, and the ministry, the 
how to describe the partner ministry that you're able to be a part of alongside of being a pastor's wife and all the responsibilities and fun things that come with that, but then also the opportunity to reach people and through the, uh, the ability of, of, the internet and media and things, the written word, be able to talk to a lot of people. Um, any, any gaps, and feel free to take a moment to think of anything that, um, though uh, self-deprecatingly, there will not probably be tens of thousands of people listening to this podcast, but if there's anything that you could say, if you had a billboard and you could put anything on, and the obvious being Jesus saves and, and things like that, but speaking maybe specifically to addiction and to some of the ladies out there or things of that nature, what would be something you could put in a short paragraph on a billboard that millions would see? What would come to mind for you? I think um, probably one of the biggest things, I guess, would be um, there is a way out, first of all. Second of all, you can do it. And um, then last would be, there is a, there is a better life. Hmm. Um, because I, in dealing with drug addicts um, and counseling them, the biggest thing I see is just this lack of hope. There's no way out of this. I'm too far in. I'm never going to live another life. This is it for me. And that is not true. So I believe that's what I would say probably. Absolutely. It's the, the marriage of lifestyle evangelism. It doesn't, it's not lifestyle evangelism by itself is not the way we, we reach the world, but in your, the opportunity that we have to talk to people about the gospel and to confront them, if our life matches up with it, then all of a sudden the impact is doubled. Um, when you truly care about that young person, invite them over to your home, and then they see what a biblical family structure can look like, and they see that, oh, I can have this. There is a pathway to this. That's I've seen many times where people's lives can be changed. Yes, through the biblical preaching. Yes, through all of those. But just seeing that there is another option, because sometimes we get very binary. It's either dying, and that's why so many choose to take their lives, or the way I'm living now. Those are the only two options I have, but there mm-hmm. is one more. And yes, it's through Jesus Christ. And it's going to require you giving up something of yourself and sacrificing self. Uh, but there is absolutely an option. Fantastic. Anything else, Miss Butler, before we conclude this? And I, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time. Um, feel free to give a parting word to those that might be listening. Well, first of all, thank you for asking me to do this. I enjoy um, any opportunity that the Lord would give me and count it an honor. I appreciate what you all are doing um, with Bible tracks and uh, how you have helped our church plant greatly. I believe it was um, collectively, it's been like 94,000 pieces of information that have been given out and you all have helped in a great way with that, getting the gospel out. So thank you. Um, And then I guess parting words um, to just really serve, serve the Lord with all that you've got right now. I know that um, there's a lot of people who are shying away from
from church and the things of God because of the times and things like that. But really, I've just had such a burden on my heart for um, people who aren't saved that that they um, need to know him. So my pastor in college always said, if you're happy, go soul winning. If you're sad, go soul winning. If you're mad, go soul winning because it will always put you in a better mood. And honestly, just talking about the Lord and what he's done always puts me in a better mood. So um, I think I live by that advice. So and not to make this about a personal irritation of mine, but if we'd stop talking about the current news cycle and all those things and start talking <laughs> about Jesus, everything would be a little bit better. And I think you summed that up perfectly and uh, absolutely. Well, we will sign off if you stick around, Miss Butler, for just a moment. For those that have listened today, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. I do believe that if this was in any way a help to those of you that listen to this short interview with, with Miss Butler, uh, don't hold it to yourself. Maybe share it with somebody. Um, just send a link to the podcast or even a clip to somebody. And I think all of what Miss Butler said was true, not only anecdotally from her life experience, but also from a biblical perspective. And so, Miss Butler, thank you so much for that. Greatly appreciate that. I have no idea what episode of the podcast this is. And so, we're just going to say we're signing off here. Miss Hannah Butler, visit her website, herbottledtears.com. This is Michael McCurry signing off. Thanks so much. <laughs>